This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas, and let's start this hour with a little real estate. In the six months since the pandemic hit, home prices on Bowen Island and the Sunshine Coast have increased more than three times higher than in Greater Vancouver. Part of a startling recovery that saw July home sales surge 22% from a month earlier and eclipsed the 10-year average for the month. Bowen Island home prices have surged 13.7% since February, 10.6% on the Sunshine Coast. The gross grind is getting a facelift, $3.5 million government dollars towards improving the trails and staging area. One day after Donald Trump imposed a 10% tariff on Canadian aluminum, our government said this week it will move swiftly to impose dollar-for-dollar countermeasures. This tit-for-tat cross-border trade squabble could not come at a worse time. New tariffs raise costs for manufacturers and consumers. For the first time since its inception, Uber said it is generating more money delivering food than people, but still sales fell 29% in the last quarter. Over at Canadian Tire, a first quarter net loss to shareholders of $20 million, or about 33 cents a share. One thing Canadian Tire sold in big numbers and at reasonable prices was bicycles. Oh, try and find a new bike under a thousand bucks now. Shopping secondhand on Facebook, Craigslist, Kijiji is a suitable alternative where reasonable bikes come in around $500, but you have to be careful they're in good repair and not stolen. On the plus side of the ledger, BC added about 70,000 jobs in July, the first full month of summer, amid phase three of the economic restart plan, significant recoveries in retail, wholesale, and food services. In April, when no province had a clear idea of when the lockdowns brought on by the pandemic would end, there were several surveys, and the findings were disheartening. 52%, or about 5 out of 10 respondents, said they worried a lot about the safety of their savings and investments. You roll the clock ahead four months to now, and even though we're feeling a little better, 4 out of 10 Canadians are still worried. Say hello to my little friend, the hand sanitizer. But before you reach for it, check out the brand. Health Canada on their website is recalling 51 hand sanitizers which contain too much ethanol. And Dr. Henry pointed the fickle finger of blame straight at the airlines this week for providing inadequate information. Since June... 36 flights passing through British Columbia airports have been flagged for possible COVID. She labeled the airlines as disconnected from the system. I'm Manny Bazunas. Uh, We have got a lot to talk about, you and I, uh, Blair Manton, licensed insolvency trustee, Sands & Associates. Uh, Blair, this pandemic has uh, really uh, wreaked havoc on a lot of uh, finances. Uh, In general terms, have you seen more people seeking out your help with uh, bankruptcies, uh, financial uh, woes that they need help with? Um, uh, On a general plane, what would you call it, uh, more or less? Well, it's 
quite interesting, Manny, and it's a real pleasure to be with you on today's show. It's interesting in that a lot more people are seeking advice, um, you know, in the short term, you know, our phones are off the hook, we're doing a ton of consultations, uh, but the actual number of people filing for bankruptcies or making consumer proposals, uh, that's actually at a 20-year low, and if you had asked trustees, you know, before the pandemic hit, you know, how quickly will there be a financial impact, we would have said, well, you know, probably immediately people are going to be rushing through the door. Uh, but what we've seen is that there's a number of things um, that, you know, a lot of folks, they've just kind of put themselves into suspended animation when it comes to their debt. So, you know, they're getting advice, but, you know, creditors really aren't pushing many individuals right now. There's a lot of payment deferrals, you know, six months from March, which is coming up to September. A lot of those are going to expire. Um, but a lot of people aren't feeling the necessary pressure of all the collection calls or the threatening of court actions. So there's actually been quite a decline in the number of people making formal filings. You know, the most recent statistics were out in June. I think we're going to chat about those a little bit today, right, Manny? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like the word you suspended animation. In other words, mm-hmm. you're hiding your head under a pillow. Well, there's a bit of that, right? And, you know, debt isn't something that, you know, you think about on the way to lunch, then you put it out of your mind, and that's that. Uh, For my clients, when I speak with them, you know, it's amazing just the weight that people feel about owing somebody money. You know, we're all honest folks. We want to honor our obligations. And when you can't, it's something that just can be insidious in all aspects of your life. So even knowing that I've got this payment deferral, uh, you know, I've got enough income from CERB to meet my, uh, the Canada Emergency Response Benefit, the 2000 a month, you know, to meet my obligations for now, but people still have huge anxiety that this is a bill that's either going to have to get paid or get dealt with and those dates are starting to approach you know as soon as the fall a lot of these these, you know supports and deferrals are going to come to a close yeah they you know the the government isn't going to support everybody forever they're doing the best they can blair manton licensed insolvency trustee sands and associates sands-trustee.com or you can give blair a buzz 310-0911 one one. Uh, let's take a look at some of these figures and why you think they've gone down. Other than the fact that it's suspended animation and uh, you you know you've got some deferrals, does that uh, bring in that other word that we like to talk so much about when it comes to finances and making some uh, really good moves for yourself? And that's procrastination. You know, that's always an aspect, Manny, and I've, I've been doing this work. I've been a, a consumer uh, insolvency trustee, consumer license insolvency trustee for over 13 years now, and I can tell you there's nobody that comes to me uh, and says, you know, maybe I'm coming to you too soon. I'm not sure about this. Just about everybody that I see, they suffer, they procrastinate, they, you know, flail about just not sure what, not sure what options are, are available to them. And, you know, to a person, everybody that I deal with says, you know, why did I wait so long? Why did I suffer so long rather than getting help. Um, It was the case, you know, prior to the pandemic, calendar year 2019 was one of the largest increases in the number of people in the province of BC filing for consumer insolvency that I'd ever seen in my 13-year career. So it was up double digits calendar year 2019. So the BC consumer was already in a tough spot. Um, Now, since the pandemic's hit, uh, we've seen a 20-year low uh, in the volume of people that are filing either a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy. So just in these most recent statistics, for June of 2020, which came out earlier this week, in the province of BC, you know, last June, there was over 920 people that filed a bankruptcy or a proposal. Uh, this year, 591. So that's more than a third of a decrease. Uh, and specifically within those two, bankruptcies are down more than half. 
So a lot of folks who, you know, might have been thinking they've got a debt problem, they're going to get some help. I think the case is, Manny, that they might be procrastinating for now, you know, uncertain about the future um, and, you know, perhaps suffering longer than they need to. Well, let's talk about a consumer proposal, because that, in effect, is a proposal to your creditors to, you know, give us some time, give us a plan. Uh, Blair's got a plan for me. Let's put it into play here. And at the end of the day, it's win-win for everybody. That's exactly right, Manny. I sometimes say a consumer proposal is the most powerful but least well-known debt option that you have to get your life back. Um, and, you know, it's the case a consumer proposal can be life-changing. So just as you outlined, it's a deal that you make with the people that you owe money to. It's only available through a licensed insolvency trustee, and you don't need to pay any upfront fees. You just start paying, at least with Sands and Associates, once we filed the proposal, you just start making those monthly payments. Um, and what you're able to do is to offer back to your debts what you you can afford. So, you know, first off, all the interest is chopped to zero. So if you're dealing with, you know, a, a normal credit card at 19.9%, a store credit card at 29.9%, or a payday loan at 550% interest, sometimes these are just crazy, all that goes to zero. But what's even more powerful is you pay back the portion of the debt that you can reasonably afford, which also allows you to have a standard of living. So for a lot of people, they're paying back 25, 30 cents on the dollar, and that gives them full satisfaction on their debts. They're protected every step of the way. They make one monthly payment and they've solved the debt problem without resorting to a bankruptcy. Well, if I come to Sands and Associates and ask Blair Manton to take on my case, uh, do you do the negotiation with the creditors? Absolutely. That, that's our job. So the way I, I sometimes say is we're like a referee. So, you know, suddenly when you've got a big debt problem, we step in the middle and we start to enforce some rules of the game here. So the first rule is there's a ceasefire. So all the interest stops, all the collection calls stops. If you're being sued, all that has to grind to a halt. Uh, and then myself being the trustee, I work with the individual to evaluate their financial situation. You know, what reasonably can they pay back? What assets do they have? Uh, what's their job? What are their income prospects? And then we put together a scenario and we say, okay, if they were to file a bankruptcy, that's their legal right. They could never be rejected. You don't need anybody's permission, which is news to a lot of people. They think they need someone to say yes. No, it's your right in Canadian law to get relief from your debt. But usually that results in your creditors having to write off almost all of the debt and getting nothing back. So I show to the creditors, well, here's what would happen if this person filed for bankruptcy. But they don't want to do that. They want to make a reasonable settlement on their debts. They want to pay back what they can afford. You, creditor, are going to get more money at the end. That's your way. And then the individual is going to avoid filing for a bankruptcy, less of a credit hit with doing a consumer proposal. And generally, the people that do proposals, they've got a lot of pride that, hey, I could have taken you know, perhaps a less expensive or easier way out, which might have been a bankruptcy. But I wanted to pay my debts to the best extent I could. So, you know, just even from a psychological point of view, it puts the person back into control, um, giving a portion of their income, but, you know, not compromising their family's well-being um, just to pay crazy interest amounts every month with the debt ne- never seems to go down sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, plus those uh, ramifications of long-term ramifications of declaring a bankruptcy. Blair Manton, licensed insolvency trustee, Sands & Associates, joining us on this edition of Vancouver Consumer here at CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. How do you reach Blair? It's quite simple. Sands-trustee.com. Sands-trustee.com or... 310-0911 310-0911 is the telephone number. 310-0911. When we talk about debt 
Blair, and I, I knew you were coming on uh, this weekend, and I thought to myself, well, what, what do you consider to be dead? Is it 2,000 in debt? Is it 10,000? In the case of a client you helped this week, it was 48,000. Well, what is a level of debt where I really need to seek out a Blair Manton? Yeah, that's a great question, Manny. I definitely want to talk about about the client that we were discussing offline a bit, so we'll definitely uh, bring that up in, in a second. But in terms of, um, you know, how much debt should you have before you contact a trustee? Well, you know, the minimum in law is $1,000. If you owed $1,000, you could file a bankruptcy or a proposal, but that's a number that hasn't changed since this law was written in the Great Depression. So it used to be a lot of money, now it's not a lot. So I have nobody filing a bankruptcy or a proposal for $1,000 of debt, but I definitely have people filing bankruptcies or proposals proposals where they've gotten themselves into some payday loan trouble, and it might be four or $5,000 now, but if they, they continue on what they're doing, next year it's going to be 10, after that it might be 15, um, so they can really file a proposal even with a small amount of debt just to stop the bleeding, stop the crazy interest, and you know they might be making a pretty small settlement on that payday loan, they might be paying back you know half of what's outstanding, uh, but it's really looking to the future and saying, well, I'm, I've just saved myself all that future interest that was coming down the road. Uh, so the situation that I wanted us to discuss a little bit today, Manny, is a gentleman came to see me, and you know, typically from the time the first contact of filing a proposal, it can be inside of a week, sometimes a couple of weeks to get some information together, but it doesn't take months. Uh, and this individual was in his mid-30s. Uh, he was employed, you know, working a steady job even during this pandemic. It was you know, one of those essential services. Uh, and his income was quite good. Um, you know, he was making enough to cover his, in- his expenses every month, you know, about $2,800 or so. Uh, but the amount of consumer debt that he had accumulated in his past was $48,000. You know, he had a vehicle that was underwater. He owed more than what it was worth. And then he had some debts to, you know, a couple of the major credit card companies and a student loan that he'd been a student, you know, more than 10 years ago. He wasn't working in the field, but all of this was still hanging around. So every month he had to, you know, decide, okay, which of the five creditors I'm going to try to satisfy this month, knowing that the interest on each of them continues to accumulate. And he was starting to feel hopeless. So it was a friend of his that actually told him, hey, you know, I don't tell a lot of people, but I filed a consumer proposal years ago, and it was life-changing for me, and he recommended that this person come in to see me. You know, we sat down, we reviewed everything, we took a look, and we said, okay, you know, if he were to file in a bankruptcy, the creditors would get back four cents on the dollar. Okay, so they're writing off most of the debt, and he didn't want to file for bankruptcy. You know, if he could avoid it, his his career was on the upswing. A lot of this debt was accumulated, you know, in previous years where he was the first to say, you know, maybe I wasn't as responsible as I could have been with my funds. Um, But we were able to file a consumer proposal for him that took his $48,000 plus interest of debt down to $15,000 in total. No interest, no additional fees, and all he has to satisfy now is one monthly payment of $250 a month, and he can pay that proposal off as quick as he wants, or the maximum term for a proposal is 60 months. So if he just makes the minimum payment of $250, he'll have all this debt behind him within five years, and he's moving on with his life right away. He was, you know, told me he was walking on air after we signed the document. <laughs> That's just fabulous. You know, a mid-30s guy who's employed uh, doesn't want to worry about compounding interest. Compounding interest, in in my opinion, uh, Blair, is only good if it's 
applied to your savings account, uh, not to debt. That's well, it, it, isn't that the truth, man? <laughs> yeah. And if you look at, well, what's the high interest savings account? It's 0.05 interest. That's yeah. what you get when you invest. What does the bank charge on the credit card? 20% interest. So you yeah. know who's winning in that equation. Yeah, compound interest. It depends on which side of the ledger it's working. Uh, but, you know, mid-30s, employed, uh, got a great job. Uh, 48000 in debt, uh, went to see uh, Blair Manton over at Sands & Associates. Uh, he and the firm worked out a proposal. It's now down to 15000 a $250 payment per month over uh, five years. Uh, is there any prepayment penalty that goes along with that particular proposal? Nothing. There's, there's okay. no interest that you're charged anyway, so okay. you know, there's no interest differential you have to worry about, so you can pay it off at any point, and very clearly, you know, sometimes people say, well, what's the catch? The trustee must have a fee on top of that. The trustee's fees are all set by government, and they're included in what you can afford to pay back. So if you can afford to pay back the 250 a month, the trustee gets paid out of that, the creditors get the rest, and there's no additional charge. Again, no upfront fees to even get this going. You just have to be ready to start making those reduced payments. Well, that's just fabulous uh, for that uh, young gentleman who came to see you. We encourage you, if you've got some uh, mounting debt that is really uh, playing uh, havoc with your life uh, emotionally, never mind financially, but emotionally, uh, we suggest you get a hold of Blair Manton and his uh, colleagues over at Sands & Associates. They are licensed insolvency trustees, Sands & Associates, sands trustee.com or easier still uh, give them a call 310-0911-310-0911 you are listening to vancouver consumer on cknw i'm manny bazunas joined uh, this hour by blair manton licensed insolvency trustee sands and associates sands-trustee.com 310-0911-310-0911 we talked about levels of debt when you should start being concerned, uh, Blair, you mentioned in the uh, previous segment, it can be anywhere from $5,000 and up. I mean, if it is a burden to you, then that is the time you need to get a hold of Blair and he will work things out. Uh, one of the things that I really hesitate to do with any type of difficulty, whether I've got a plug sink or I've got mounting debt, uh, Blair, and that is consult with my neighbors or friends. <laughs> because yep. they always seem to have an idea of how to get out of a jam. Uh, nine times out of ten, they don't have any clue of what they're talking about. When it <laughs> comes to something like this, this is serious business. You need to go to an expert. That's what you do. I've heard, and I know you have, people say, well, why don't you cash out to some of your RSPs and pay off your debt? Uh, you had mentioned uh, prior to the show that this can bring with it a whole host of other problems. Mm-hmm. Yes, Manny, I'm so pleased that we're going to talk about some of the biggest mistakes that I, I see people make, and especially during this pandemic. You know, we're not at our best. You know, all of us are living through something we've never seen before. So we can be in a weakened state, and you might get what sounds like great advice, you know, even from an accountant or a professional who you think might know everything. But the truth is, there's not many people that know all the intricacies of debt, and a licensed insolvency trustee is right at the center. It's the professional that can really help you put it all together. Uh, with the respect to RRSPs, the worst thing you could possibly do to pay off your debt is to cash in your RRSPs. 
people do this because they think, you know, if I had to file for bankruptcy, I'm going to lose this money anyway, so why don't I just try to avoid the bankruptcy, give them everything I've got, because it's going to happen anyway. And that's such a misunderstanding of the law in that RRSPs are federally protected assets, and they've been that way for more than 10 years now. So during my time as a trustee, you know, my first couple of years, I would be telling people, yeah, you know, unfortunately, I don't agree with this law, but, you know, RRSPs aren't protected. But that ended in 2009. So if you're sitting out there and you've got their retirement nest egg that you've worked, you know, your whole life to amass, and you've unfortunately had to deal with some debt these past couple of years, if you were to file for bankruptcy or do a consumer proposal, those RRSPs remain yours. They're free and clear. You don't need to compromise any of them. Um, but if you did cash them in, well, first off, you're going to have a tax bill because you're not going to get everything there. The government's going to hold some tax back. You know, usually it's not enough to solve the entire debt problem and they end up having to do something eventually anyway. Uh, but then the bigger impact is now you've compromised your future. All that money you worked so hard to save, you know, I encourage people to treat it like a company pension plan. You can't touch your company pension plan. It's got to be there for you when you need it. Um, RRSPs, the challenge is you can cash them in. It's your option. And don't be counseled by anybody that that's a good idea. I've never seen a situation where it's a smart idea to cash in RRSPs to pay debt. Well, that's one of the problems of, uh, you know, uh, do-it-yourself uh, insolvency issues. Uh, Blair, you know, a creditor can say, well, you know, you've got money in your RSP. Uh, cash those in. Well, uh, no one can force you to do that. Well, that's right, Manny. They can say that, and they do. There's no obligation when a collection agent is on the phone for you that they're going to give you the straight goods. Their objectives are completely opposite to yours. And I have people saying, well, they've told me I must do this or they're going to seize them tomorrow. I'm like, there's so many layers of fiction in that. For them to seize anything would take months to go through to court. And this is a federally protected asset. So you know, tell them, hey, go fill your boots, go incur all those legal costs. There's no way you'll ever be able to touch these assets. Um, but the way a lot of collectors work, there is an element of psychological warfare. They try to wear you down, making you feel like you're the individual who's, you know, uh, who's not honoring their obligations, who's not an honest person. And instinctively, we all react to that. And sometimes we can be counseled into doing things that, you know, are great for the creditors, but really bad for us individually. Yeah, some of the creditors, uh, they sound like they're coming from Guido and Associates and not Sands and Associates when they oh, yeah. try, try know, to... The, the, leg, the leg breaking is going to come next. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you do see that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- this is pretty serious business when it comes to uh, getting out of debt and uh, restoring credit scores uh, and just the emotional toll that, uh, you know, a, a really large debt can uh, play on you and your family. And uh, there is a road out. It's a very easy road out in terms of the process uh, to get it going. Blair Manton has been doing it for years with thousands of people who have found themselves, unfortunately, in a debt situation and have taken the right approach. And that has been to contact Sands & Associates, sands-trustee.com, sands-trustee.com. Or you could reach Blair uh, easily by telephone, 310 310 I want to talk a little bit about inheriting debt if you... Mm. Uh, are the beneficiary of an estate in any way, uh, possibly a parent or, or someone who's really liked you and left you something, or uh, you have uh, fallen victim to a divorce and you might have to pick up uh, the debt for the outgoing uh, spouse. Uh, true or false, uh, Blair, that you inherit debt? 
That's false, Manny. So um, I had a discussion just yesterday uh, with a lady who, you know, she's just trying to plan for her family. You know, unfortunately, her, her partner, he's now in his third round of, of facing cancer. And, you know, we all hope for a very optimistic outcome. But she was so stressed when she was on the phone with me, um, just saying, you know, he's also got all of this debt. And, you know, if he were to pass on, you know, I assume as his spouse, you know, that comes to me. And if I don't deal with that, that goes to the children. Um, and the answer is absolutely not. So, you know, just if someone passes on by virtue of death, nothing changes with respect to their debts. So I explained to to this lady that, you know, um, if his name is on the statements and your name is not, meaning you're not a joint borrower, you haven't guaranteed any of those debts, there's nothing that would happen to make you responsible for those debts. So if he were to pass on and didn't have any assets to pay those debts, no matter what the creditors might say, she would have no obligation to pay anybody else's debts. Um, sometimes this becomes really um, important if you're in a marriage situation, and a lot of people think, you know, you marry somebody, you also marry their debt. And I remember, you know, having discussions with my friends about that, and, you know, you're choosing a partner, you know, uh, you should be very financially transparent because you're taking on each other's obligations. Um, that's one of those things that seems true, but is actually completely false. So if two people have their own debts when they go into a marriage, um, as long as they don't actively make the debts joint by, you know, co-signing the debts, getting supplementary cards, if the bills still continue to come just in one person's name, that debt remains just the responsibility of either the, the husband or the wife in the marriage there. So there's nothing that makes the debts joint. So sometimes where I've seen, you know, a really bad outcome for a couple is where one member of the couple has a lot of assets, the other person has a lot of debt and no assets. And what they often do is transfer the assets or sell the assets of one person to pay off all the debts of the other person, which, you know, great for the creditors. They're getting money they might not otherwise get. But that individual who had the debts and no assets, they could have filed either a bankruptcy where they probably pay very little back or a consumer proposal where they might pay back 20, 30 cents on the dollar with no interest. Um, And that would have been a better outcome for the family because they would have preserved the assets of the other partner and the whole family is better off at the end. So you really need to be careful. Um, You know, when divorce occurs, there can be, you know, if you've incurred debt concurrently together, there can be some splitting of that. But strictly speaking, whoever's name is on the invoices, that's who needs to be concerned about the debt. Well, like any other financial transaction, a marriage uh, has to have an agreement. There's got to be an agreement going into the relationship. There's got to be an agreement coming out of a relationship. And as Blair points out, uh, you don't inherit debt if your name is not on the document. Blair Manton, licensed insolvency trustee, joining us uh, this hour on Vancouver Consumer here at CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. Blair is at Sands & Associates, sands-trustee.com or 310-911-310-911. Let's talk about your licensing, um, Blair. Very few people in the financial business can do what you do, and you are licensed for a reason. That's exactly right, Manny. So there's about a thousand licensed insolvency trustees in Canada. So it's a pretty small group. Um, and LITs are the only people that are able to file either a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal. So you don't need to hire a lawyer. You don't need to pay a big retainer. You don't need a consultant that's going to help you navigate things. The government created a trustee as an independent, you know, essentially an officer of the court, but I don't spend, you know, almost any time in court these days. I'm just speaking with clients um, as an independent person that just helps people understand, well, 
what legislation is available to them, and how do they get access to a system that, you know, essentially the public policy objective here is that it serves nobody's interest to keep somebody, you know, paying off debt for 50 years because they made a mistake when they were young. Everybody is served better if we allow people to atone for their mistakes, um, to start over, and then to be financially successful in the future. So it's giving people access to legislation that was written, and the words in the legislation are the honest but unfortunate debtor. So as long as someone has tried their best and, you know, just some misfortune has befallen them, that's exactly the person who deserves to get relief from their debts, and that's who a trustee um, can help, you know, every day of the week. We're having consultations with individuals who fit that profile precisely. Well, then there's that other group of people I'm sure you've run into, we all have, who rack up a whole bunch of debt and then just take the easy way out and declare bankruptcy. I'd like to know what those long-term ramifications of an actual bankruptcy are, Blair. I know people who are in business who have declared bankruptcy in the past, and it has been very, very difficult to restore their credit. Yeah, you know, bankruptcy does cause your credit credit to take a hit. So the amount of abuse, I would say, in the bankruptcy system is quite low. So before I was a trustee, you know, I had a bit of a caricature view that, okay, it must be people that just spend uh, irresponsibly and, you know, just overextend themselves. But a lot of the times, it's folks who are very honest, you know, doing their best, and then they got sick or they lost their job or a child got sick. So it's a life event that really shocks them into having to use the system. And, you know, there are some safeguards that are put in place. So, you know, if a year ago you owed nobody anything, and now you owe $100,000 and 15 different credit cards, you know, you're going to have some questions if you go through a bankruptcy before discharging that debt. But if there's a reasonable explanation, um, you know, we're all empathetic and sympathetic at Sands and Associates that, you know, life happens and debt is, the, you know, the outcome of that, you know, you do have the right to get a fresh start. In terms of the impact of a bankruptcy, you know, people think bankruptcy lasts for seven years. It doesn't. Most of the time it's over within a nine-month period. Um, and then you start rebuilding your credit. So for someone who's never been in bankruptcy before, if they file bankruptcy once, for six years after they finish that bankruptcy, if someone pulls a credit report, they're going to see there's a bankruptcy on file. Now, it doesn't mean they're not going to extend them credit. In some cases, people are much better credit risks after bankruptcy because they've got no debt. And if they're working, there's now fewer claims on their income. And you can generally bet they're going to take the next obligation very seriously, having just come through a bankruptcy proceeding. So most of the time, it's about a two to three year horizon where if someone's done everything right, they've started to rebuild their credit, they've got a good income, they're paying everything on time. You know, they could even be considered for a mortgage within two to three years of a bankruptcy, which is you know just shocking for a lot of people to hear, um, but it, it is the case. You know, that being said, if you finish the bankruptcy and you're, you're late paying your cell phone bill every month, you don't get a secured credit card to show you can build history, you know, it could be seven years where until that drops off your bureau, you know, people are going to be reluctant to, to extend your credit because you just haven't shown the right behaviors going forward. Well, I think the bottom line from the, uh, uh, the hour that we've spent together, um, Blair, the, the takeaway for me is uh, don't take your advice from your neighbor over the fence unless he or she is a licensed insolvency trustee. And the chances of that, with only a 1,000 of you across Canada, pretty slim. So we suggest you go directly to Blair Manton, licensed insolvency trustee, uh, to take care of your debt solution, uh, whether it's a consumer proposal or some other avenue that he would suggest. Uh, it's all in a free consultation with a simple phone call to uh, Blair at Sands & Associates, sands-trustee.com, sands-trustee.com, easier Still, you dial them up, 310-0911, 310-0911. You are listening to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas, back in a moment. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. 
Time for Ask Andrew. Andrew Ferreira, executive producer, Vancouver Consumer, CKNW. Andrew, you've been looking at some figures which have been very, very disheartening, the number of business closures. And, you know, when you say business closures, we're really talking about job losses uh, all the way down the food chain, the supply chain, uh, you know, producing goods that end up in these businesses, which are now closed. But uh, these figures are not great. No. Uh, so Business in Vancouver uh, collated these, if you will, uh, and data released by StatsCan on a Wednesday. Um, and here is the number. Uh, 7,477 businesses closed uh, in March of this year due to the crisis. Uh, and without a comparison, that number, you know, maybe it's high, maybe it's not high. But uh, in March of 2019, uh, the number of business closings was 3,636. So that's almost double. And that is an astonishing number. Yeah, that is that is almost exactly double March to March. Uh, no, going forward to April, uh, 7,603 businesses shuttered in April of this year compared to 3,948 uh, last year. Again, that's almost a doubling. Um, it, that's fifty. That's over fifteen thousand businesses shuttered in in the span of two months. What I'm wondering is how are landlords who are providing retail space, or in some cases wholesale space, to and office space to some of these shuttered businesses, uh, what they are going to fill. Uh, these spaces with. They're obviously going to have to take a look at their rent structure and other things they're doing. But when you've got 8,000 or so, let's round it off at 8,000 businesses closing down, that's a lot of space to be running out. Now, I wonder as we slowly emerge from this pandemic, whether our consumer spending is going to make it so that uh, new stores, uh, new businesses will be able to open and uh, at least show some kind of a profit. I think that's really the key question. You've got 7,000 businesses in March. 7,000. Now, of that 7,000, I wonder aloud too, Andrew, maybe you've got an opinion on this. Um, Really, how many were well-run businesses before the pandemic hit? This was a culling or a weeding out of some businesses that probably were just hanging on anyway. And, you know, I'm willing to bet that, you know, we we see, you know, based on numbers, we see a few thousand of these business closings, you know, business like, you know, small companies will start up and close and start up and close. So I'm willing to bet, you know, a good chunk of those are just the run of the mill. You know, it fell through. There just wasn't enough, you know, here or there to make it happen. But you also have to wonder how many of those were businesses that just couldn't handle, you know, maybe they were a small mom and pop business and, you know, they were, you know, they did good business. They did swift trade. But sometimes when something like this happens, it's a it's a hit too severe to, to take. And that really does it. And, you know, this isn't even just Metro Vancouver, even across the province, the rate of business closures essentially doubled uh, 13,480 uh, last year to over 25,000 across the province in that span, yeah, year we, over year. And we accounted for uh, more than 7,000 as of March. You know, you, you mentioned a good point, I think, Andrew, when you talk about the uh, Ma and Pa businesses and how they struggle to, to, to stay open. And we both 
come from families who have been in ma and pa businesses. But I take a look at some of the big companies, too. Uh, take Chorus, for example, the one that we work for. Uh, Bell Media just reported uh, significant losses. These are big companies with uh, big spaces that uh, they're renting out in big towers and uh, lots of layoffs and uh, business not, you know, what it was. Uh, the Patterson Group of uh, Broadcasting uh, recently laid off a whole bunch of people. So it's not just the small businesses. Everybody is hurting and having to readjust. And the question will be, uh, how quickly can these revenue streams keep or come back uh, to a business, no matter how uh, big or small it is, to either rehire or restructure, but at least uh, keep the lights on and and keep moving forward. Uh, Thank you, Andrew Ferreira, uh, our executive producer here at Vancouver Consumer at CKNW. And that brings us to another uh, end to another edition of Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. We'll see you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.